0: Hey, welcome back to It's Sports Stupid. I'm Maggie Gray alongside Richard Deitch. It's been a while, Richard, since we've done a podcast.
1: You look well. Maggie, you, uh, you seem to take vacation. It seems like <laughs> yes. every
0: week. S- I know. So
1: that's the reason why we can't get on the podcast.
0: No, here. I'm actually working double days, double duty. Uh, but it feels good to be back in the podcast studio. And, of course, we have a lot to get to because the Women's World Cup came to its finale. The United States was completely and utterly dominant in their win over Japan. Final score was 5-2. to two. Of course, we all know that now. But I think a lot of things, Richard, were settled in this Women's World Cup final. Number one... United States gets major revenge on Japan. A heartbreaking loss from 2011. A game in a World Cup the U.S. should have won. But they avenge the loss to Japan. I thought that was really significant. Number two, I thought it was amazing. It's so rare that we get a storybook ending in sports. And while it may not be how she wanted to go out, I'm sure she wanted to be playing the entire match, but to send Abby Wambach out with a World Cup win... I thought was a moment that was deserving of someone as great of a talent as she is. It's only right that she has won a World Cup now, considering the gold medal she's won and the mark she's left on the sport. I'd love to see that. And then thirdly, Richard, I thought what was most significant about the Women's World Cup final is that there is a new face of women's soccer, and that face is Carly Lloyd. What she was able to do was not only record-breaking, it was historic, But it captured not only the imagination, but the respect of the entire sports world at large. And that's why I think this Women's World Cup victory was so significant.
1: Listen, no arguing on any of those points. Um, Everything you mentioned, I agree with. The victory was incredibly significant. I think the manner in which they won was interesting that they took such a big lead and that it was almost a coronation uh, as opposed to – I mean, I guess you would say that the match was at times competitive, but I don't think anybody ever thought that the U.S. wasn't going to win that game, especially after Lloyd's fourth goal. And, you know, what's interesting to me is just the number of viewers who watch this game. 25.4 million viewers wow. on Fox. That's that's a that's a
0: Where does that rank in terms of other huge sporting events? Put that in more, context. Yeah, Well,
1: it's me. more than Game 6 of the NBA Finals. It's more than the I think the 7th game. Game 6
0: was the clinching game.
1: Right. More than Game 7 of the World Series this year. Obviously less than the college football championship by about 10 million or so. You know, that that is a significant NFL game on a Sunday late afternoon. I mean, that's a mega,
0: like an rating. AFC or an NFC championship. No, no, AFC.
1: That would be much AFC NFC championship, much bigger. We're talking forty, fifty million. So we're but, talking but divisional
0: a, round, wild card,
1: or even less. Maybe like a, a Dallas Green Bay regular season game Sunday on Fox. But okay. that's this is the that's the biggest sport in America, football. So it's very clear that this team touched something within the country, and and the way they won and the manner in which they won. I think just a lot of people really embrace them what it means heading forward is always interesting because you you know i remember when the 99 team won sure and there was so much enthusiasm around that group and people thought that not that they thought that a women's pro league was going to be the nfl or the nba but they thought it would be a league that would sort of sustain itself maybe in the same way mls did i don't know if there's going to be this carryover i I always tend to feel that it's a it's a one-off event patriotism comes is part of it and while you appreciate the athleticism and the skill and the greatness of these athletes, it does it never seems to translate to paying money, at least for women's soccer, right. paying money to see them. I hope it does, but I, I, my, if, I, if you had to ask me, my gut would say that it doesn't translate.
0: See, I think that your argument is, is not valid there. It's not an why. argument.
1: It's, it's an observation.
0: Okay, well here's why is because think about it, if you didn't have the 99ers. You're not having this team. Whether it appeals to you where you are in your life and whether you're going to dig into your pocket to take money out, it appeals to somebody because this whole next generation of female soccer players grew up and got even better than the 99 team. I mean, you could argue this is a stronger team than the 99 team. So it works for somebody. And I don't think that you necessarily need to judge the success or the value of women's soccer on what it does after the world cup. I think that's something that we get we sports writers, we sports fans kind of get into this trap. It's not, I, of saying, I'm saying like, the only way that it's significant is but if But
1: you're you're now you're now claiming something I'm not claiming okay. that the the event itself is massively significant. Yeah. 25 million people watch this yeah. thing in itself in its own box. Like it's that an,
0: launches careers, it's makes a, careers. Totally. It's it. an
1: incredible accomplishment, but you do want to know if the sport on a domestic level, sure. can be sustained after the fact. And I hope it is. The the problem has been historically, it has not connected. So you take the accomplishment on its own, and it's an incredible accomplishment. I mean, first World Cup since ninety nine. The numbers are stratospheric compared to forget, you know, male and other women's sure, sports. Sure. But The next step, then, is what does it mean for women's soccer in this country on a day-to-day level? That's important.
0: But let's think about this for a second. What does success mean anymore in the athletic arena? I would argue that success not only means what you're doing on the pitch or on the field or on the court, but it also is how big is your Q rating, so to speak. I mean, I think a lot of the success has to do with where where are you – in the sports landscape, how much do we recognize you? And can you make a living off of that? Right. Because, But these
1: players could not make a living before but, this win. You saw that. But,
0: Richard, they're not making a living after this either. That's going to take a while. Even women why is the, that? Okay, but Even women question. on the LPGA Tour have to stay with host families. And even women who play challenger tennis tournaments right. have to stay with but host not, but families. But that's not the case
1: for Serena or Sharapova well, or, Azarenka and, and or let's or, think of why. Because right.
0: Billie Jean King and then Venus Williams, who really took the torch from Billie, Billie Jean King, made it a priority. Well, the FIFA you, you wanted to talk get about this the, equal pay, right?
1: The FIFA the FIFA payout is a joke. Yeah, uh, yes, it is. Uh, the The disparity between what the men make and what the women make yeah. is a disgrace. On the top, will make about
0: a million each.
1: On top of the larger disgrace the that they played on, they played on turf throughout this whole tournament. Well, of course. Um, so, but you know, FIFA is a sexist organization. It, it uh, is. It has always been that. Um, and. Quite frankly, I don't know how much FIFA really cares about the American women uh, launching in this country. They're they're a global organization that essentially cares about lining their own pockets, but um, it, I listen, I don't I don't mean to fo- it's not to take away from the accomplishment. The accomplishment's incredible. Right. I mean, you know, I I cover women's sports. I support it. The, it's an amazing accomplishment. What would be great though is if for there to be a next step sure. after this event and you know, it. The only way this generally happens is if women with disposable income, twenty something, thirty something, forty something, go out and go to like Houston Dash games. Like that's the way you su- ultimately support the domestic. It doesn't league.
0: have to just be women who are in the audience. Correct. I mean, it has right. to be men. It has, it has to be both. But, but generally fathers speaking, and daughters. But you need
1: you. You can't. You have to concede. You need women to uh, financially put down money to support these events or the league cannot sustain I think for you a just need term.
0: people with money I don't think it breaks down into a man or woman I think that you can just I think it's okay to have a predominantly male audience even though they're watching a woman for certain but but
1: the demographics at I guarantee the demographics of women's soccer there are more women. And or girls watching or attending than men.
0: Okay, I mean that's a guess.
1: I might be wrong, but I would be pretty comfortable that that's the guess. Well,
0: I just hope that this is a moment. Everything in life, Richard, comes down to who has leverage. Right. This is in every walk of life, whether it's LeBron James or whether it's you and I talking we about don't the bosses. Have leverage. We never I, have the we leverage. We know uh, this. LeBron James always has the leverage. We know does. that.
1: Even with this magazine. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
0: LeBron James has more leverage at Sports Illustrated than Richard and I compete. I would agree with that. That's 100% true. But leverage is the key to life and getting what you want. And right now, you have two very competing factors. One, you have FIFA, which is a mess, and someone's going to come in, and there are reforms that are going to be made. And number two, you have now this Women's World Cup that's drawn in not only viewers, Richard, but sponsors. That's incredibly important. You saw all these women having commercials, their own commercials leading up. This is a sellable item for FIFA. So take a mass rearrangement, which we're expecting to come soon, and take the fact that this is a profitable endeavor for FIFA. And I think now is the moment where women soccer players have a chance to fight to get equal pay. Or closer. Because right now, it's so wide. I mean, the men are getting like, 35 million I don't, I, listen, I, I, don't, like 30, I don't disagree with you to but to you, you
1: need other countries then for FIFA to jump you need you need the women of Germany you need the women of Brazil exactly. you need the women of Japan to jump on that okay. the only way you really have leverage I think is ultimately to threaten not to play well right? now's
0: the perfect time because you have a lot of time leading up to Andrew Brandt of the MMQB always talks about deadlines right? right so this is the time where you have the leverage and you have a massive restructuring hopefully that's going to happen in FIFA and this is the time to
1: strike I, I, I don't think anybody in the world would disagree with you the question is can they can you get some kind of coordinated effort where the women's federations in the world get together and make that claim
0: you know what it's going to take carly lloyd if she's going to win the best player in the world fifa and it's going to take a little bit maybe even from the men to throw their support behind honestly
1: i think that would really help if the messies and the ronaldo's and people like that because ultimately those those guys have LeBron of,
0: James type leverage. Yeah, they
1: have they have a ton of power, but I, I just I when when has the when has the world when have world federations honestly ever bandied together to make some kind of statement? The fact is, like Sepp Blatter's been a horrible ruler of FIFA for a long time. It's not like we've seen Europe and Asia and Australia all get together to knock him out of yeah,
0: office. Yeah, but the the bomb already exploded. You know, so FIFA's already in tatters, and now is the time, I think. To really capitalize it, if you're the women, and just like to be honest and to be kind of more clear about the money, I believe it's the men make about thirty million. The team gets if you win the World Cup, they split that out between the players and the coaches, and the women make like one point two million, and they split that all up between the players and the coaches. So that's right. the bonus. Yeah,
1: and again, I again nobody would it's ridiculous. You know, nobody would argue otherwise. That you know, every any sport, the the pay disparities for all the, you know, tennis showed it. With Venus and Billy Jean King, but they the same brought it.
0: They brought it. Together.
1: Correct. The point is, any they of these any of these event sports where the event is essentially the same, they should all be making the same yeah, amount of money. Agreed. The FIFA will make the claim, "Well, there's more money in uh, men's television, etc." So it's all bogus. Yeah. It, it should be. It should be equal. It's absurd that it's not. I just maybe the cynic in me says that it's not going to change.
0: Richard Deitch, once again, a nail in the coffin for feminism.
1: I, I don't understand how that – I am nailing any – I am I am stru- ardently supporting it. I am just a realist. I, you know, instead of – like how about this? Instead of you living your luxurious Manhattan life, <laughs> you travel to Lausanne, walk out with a placard, and start And protesting. start
0: protesting. Yeah. You know what? Enough I chatter can... <laughs> and
1: some, some travel for you.
0: Richard, I don't know about you, but I'm one of these weird people who only I agree really with that. got into well, – I'm not done. Who oh, only sorry. really got into – wrestling in the wwe like in my 30s and i'll tell you why because
1: so 20 years ago awesome yeah thank you
0: <laughs> so <laughs> it's because we had so many wwe superstars come on si now right and i always felt bad i had to really lean on one of my producers to give me questions for these superstars because i had no idea what the storylines were i didn't listen
1: i don't mean to interrupt you but as you know i am a wrestling fan has brock lesnar been on the show
0: the superstars that we have had on the show. We have right. not had um, Brock Lesnar on the show. Right. We have had the big show. Right. You've had Pick Seth. me up. I feel
1: like Seth Rollins has been on the show, right?
0: No, not Seth Rollins. Oh, I would okay. love to have Mr. Money in the Bank. I would right. love to have him on the show. Uh, we've had The Miz on twice. Roman, Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns came on the show. Actually, right. Ronda Rousey interviewed Roman Reigns. Yeah, that was cool. So that was pretty cool. Right. Um, we have had the Divas. Oh, no
1: kidding. I didn't know that. That's I had the Divas
0: when they were in their dispute. Hulk Hogan? I, I played total hat like, you know, Mark and played right. along with their dispute. Oh, what about fine.
1: old school? Hulk Hogan, I think, or no? No,
0: we had Diamond Dallas Page.
1: Diamond Dallas Page, okay.
0: Um, And I think that's – oh, and John Cena. And John oh, Cena's coming good. back. Oh, that's a good game. He's get. coming back next week. Right, so that's, that's going to be fun. Dan, not Daniel Bryan? Daniel Bryan phoned in. Okay. Uh, and we got him to do the yes chant when he phoned in. I
1: feel like cool. you can probably get for us SI right now some, um, some more of the old school – types, don't you think?
0: Triple H has never done it either? Or Stephanie McMahon? Well, no, Stephanie, I went to her and interviewed for this sort of behind-the-scenes, as much as the let-you behind-the-scenes piece at WWE with Titus O'Neil, who I met um, at a charity golf tournament recently, has a really interesting backstory of being raised in an orphanage. Um, And Chris Harvard. Okay. Chris Nowinski, who now is like at the forefront of studying brain trauma and and concussions and long-term effects. Anyway, the one guy who I didn't mention is my favorite guy to interview. He's got it. Whatever it is, and it may be overstated, but he's got it. It's Chris Jericho. Y2J, the Ayatollah of rock and roll. I love interviewing Chris Jericho. I was lucky enough to have him as a guest on SI Now. Uh, Here's a little bit of what we talked about. Of course, he's now the host of WWE Tough Enough. Chris Jericho, season six of Tough Enough is already underway. You're hosting the show. Yes. And I would love to know, as someone who traveled the world, had to work to make a name for yourself and work to become a huge WWE superstar, what do you think of people being able to get a contract by winning a reality TV
2: show? I I don't mind it because, I mean, you got to get in somehow. You know, and it's like, if you compare it to, let's say, American Idol, and that's what I kind of use this this, this this season of Tough Enough. On Idol, you come in there, and let's say Adam Lambert, now he's the lead singer of Queen. Does it matter how he came in the, the business, or does it matter that he's a great singer and had a chance to show off? Yeah, that's a great and point. And it's the same thing with with, with with Tough Enough. You're getting a chance, an opportunity, it's, it's more uh, getting thrown straight into the fire but you're going to find out who can stand the pressure and who has kind of that element of being able to do things when they need to do it.
0: You take on sort of this, like, patronly role, you know, like this paternal role with, with the contestants, is it unusual for someone who is so established to take a younger wrestler under their wing?
2: Well, that, that's kind of the way it should be when you're the host of a show, And I've hosted shows in the past. You're the drill sergeant when necessary, you're the jerk when necessary, you're the shoulder to cry on when necessary. It's all part of being able to run the show in a proper way. So, I mean, you want to pass the torch, and you want to help kids along to learn, but it's, it's so much up to them. You know, and, and tough enough, the What I was saying earlier is now we have – it's like a half reality show that you would see like you know the Kardashians and it's half like Idol. We watch the drama from the week. We watch the reality from the week and then we go to the live studio audience where we can call out the competitors on what they did, good and bad. And then there's a vote, a worldwide vote, a live worldwide vote where people in Singapore might be watching at 4 in the morning. But that's how we have it to see who stays and who goes. So you want people to stand out. You don't have a lot of time to show who you are. And in the first week, my favorite contestants, contestants on the show were the ones that stood out personality-wise.
0: Well. Daniel Bryan he's is on right, with you yeah. as a yes. judge, along with Hulk Hogan and also Paige. Yeah. Daniel Bryan has had two serious injuries almost back-to-back. Right. By working with him, do you think he's worried that his career may be over?
2: He's a very interesting guy. He's, he's very driven, and once again... A, a smaller guy that was probably told his whole life you can't be a wrestler. So what does that make you do? If someone tells you you can't do something, mm-hmm. you're gonna shove it up their and let them know you can do it. So I don't know if his career is finished or not. I know he doesn't think so, but we have to wait and see. You know, which would be a shame because he's one of the most popular performers in the company and one of the best, actual, pure, uh, total package, uh, you know, superstars that we have. But that's the, that's the toll the business takes. You never much know, like, much like playing you know, pro football or, or, or hockey, you never know when your career can be done. It's very hard hitting. I think every time you take a bump, a fall, we call them bumps. Yeah, I remember a doctor told me it's like getting hit by a car at 10 miles an hour every time you take a bump. So imagine standing in the streets in New York City and the car hits you every you know minute at 10 miles an hour. One of those days, your luck runs out and something bad can happen.
0: Yeah, you're going to be traveling to Japan. You're taking on a couple matches. How have you been preparing for these upcoming bouts?
2: My uh, WWE career over the last few years has been very uh, sporadic Mm -hmm. due to the fact that I have a lot of other things going on. But I still enjoy being in the WWE. I still like working matches. I kind of uh, am the reverse of what a lot of the guys do, though they come back and just work TVs or just work pay-per-views. I thought wouldn't it be fun to just come back and work the live events? When you do a live event, you just show up, you go to the ring, you work for 20 minutes, people have fun, you go home.
0: When you drop in on some of these live events and I'm sure the crowd goes absolutely crazy when you do, are there any of them that you wish had been televised so that the greater wrestling community and fans You
2: know, the could the, have the, seen? The, 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 the the probably the, the typical answer would be yes, but I like just having those special matches just for the people that are there. Because mm-hmm. when I was a kid, that's how it was for me. You would go to the match. You know, okay, the wrestling's coming to town. You'd go watch it, the you know, Winnipeg Arena. And then you'd go home. And you, if you saw something special that night, you would remember it. But it was almost only for you. Mm-hmm. It's great working on TV. But I still have a real affinity and a real kind of love of just working the house show.
0: I'd love to know what you think about the age we're in right now. You came from what a lot of people believe could be the golden age of wrestling, age of attitude. We talked a lot about how you have the charisma and how you kind of wrap the the room around your finger. Who do you think now has that same attitude from when you were peak on Raw every well, single week? I,
2: I mean, I, it was called the attitude era, which basically meant that it was a little bit more R-rated. But but the concept of of how to how to how to make it is the same. I think, you know, you look at the roster now in the WWE and you see a lot of the guys that are coming up, like, you know, Kevin Owens and um, guys like Seth Rollins and Dean Ambrose, they're all doing it their own way because they also have years of experience. They've been working around the world. Uh, You might have to to beep the word, but you have to be a little bit of an to to make it in in, in the WWE. And I think to, to make it basically in life, and that's not being... Not being, not being uh, 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 where you're hurting somebody, but you have to say, listen, this is the way I'm doing it. But, but no, you might ruffle some feathers. Someone might not like you because of it. That's okay. Not everybody has to like you. What's important is the job that you do and making sure that it's best for the show. What's best for the show that we're doing? What's best for the entire team? And sometimes you've got to make a stand on that. You're wrong. I'm right.
0: Wise words from Chris Jericho. Chris, yeah. thank you so much. <laughs> and good you. luck with the rest of the season Appreciate of Tough Enough it. on thank USA. You. Yes, it's Tuesday you're, nights. You're off and running right Absolutely. now in Tough Enough. We love it. Thank you. <laughs> Again, our thanks to Chris Jericho. Always love talking to him. He is the host of WWE Tough Enough. You can watch it on USA Network. And, of course, that interview was on SI Now, powered by Ford, which is the show that I host Every Monday through Friday how, many, how many, can, can you how Eastern. Can
1: you promo yourself just a little bit more in every <laughs> little podcast that we do?
0: Pot, meat, kettle, kettle, <laughs> meet pot, right, Mr. Richard on. Deitch. Uh, we're not done with the Women's World Cup, though, because as we were talking about how great, how significant the victory was for the U.S. women's national team, there is a flip side to this, Richard. It's the agony of defeat, and maybe not with the Japan team, maybe not with the Japanese, because they won the World Cup in 2011, but boy... Does your heart have to go out to England? And specifically, Laura Bassett, who scored on her own goal in the 92nd minute against Japan, in effect, knocking her own team out of the World Cup.
1: Listen, I mean, you really do feel for her, or you, you really felt for her after that happened. But here's what I would say. Does the fact that they won the third place game, and the fact that they won it in pretty dramatic fashion mitigate both your remembrances of the old goal, as, own goal as well as how Laura Bassett will feel about the tournament.
0: Definitely not. Talk to any women's soccer player right. or any athlete. Nobody wants to be playing in that third-place game.
1: I don't disagree with you, but you have to admit that the team, they, they changed the shape of soccer in England given how far—it's the best performance— Ever by a way a, 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 sure, they were
0: playing with house money. They right. were sixth ranked in the world. They weren't supposed but to. But just make look at that. Look where, look
1: where. Look where that. T- I mean, that team historically, uh, you know, England has had. I would say, when it comes to soccer, a very sexist culture. That team, I think, game changed how a lot of people in the country think about women's soccer. They finished third, so they essentially medaled. So it's a great accomplishment. So that said, listen, no one would argue the fact that they played well enough to advance right. to the final, and that is probably gutting for. Laura Bassett, but I would think that because of how much sympathy she got from people and because they did win their last game, I think both how she feels, I I think she will feel a little bit differently about the own goal, and I also think it will be remembered differently because you will always end up saying, but England did win that third place game.
0: I don't think a lot of people are going to put that but in there. What I think people are going to remember is the own goal, how horrible that must have felt, how much everyone's heart sort of broke for this woman, and then also the response on Twitter which is really your territory, but I'm going to bring it up. I think that the response, and I hate to say this because I know this isn't true for everyone and I'm not going to paint everybody with a broad brush, but if this had been an American, I wonder how many death threats, rape threats, how many horrible responses she would have gotten where it seemed like, and I didn't see all of her app mentions, But it seemed like it was pretty overwhelmingly positive, more of the keep your head up, more of the you deserve to be here, um, don't let this define your career, that kind of thing. And I hate to say it, but it makes me a little sad because I think when someone messes up on such a large stage here in America, we almost expect the response now to be so overwhelmingly hurtful and negative that I was actually shocked. But th- it wasn't that way.
1: I, don't you think part of that is the expectation game and that – and I'm not saying – this is not justifying it. I think it's just the reality that if an American player did it, there was an expectation that the Americans were supposed to win. England was not expected to go that far.
0: It's still a colossal mistake though.
1: Again, I, no one, no one would argue that. But I think that's where expectations factor in in that it was a player who made this mistake but – a, a team that had advanced probably far beyond where it thought it would at right. the beginning of the tournament where most people uh, would think that the U.S. would either win or get to the final, so the mistake would be far magnified. I'd like to hope that if the, if it was similar, given the same 90-second minute, you saw how just gutted she was, sure. that the majority of the people on social media would be, uh, would be caring to an American player. But you're not wrong in terms of the history of it. The history would tell you that that person would get crushed.
0: Is Laura Bassett's own goal the most crushing sports moment you've ever witnessed? No, and if not, what is?
1: No, because it's not the final. No,
0: for one person, like an individual, like go back. I'd have home to. Th- I'd
1: have to think about it, but I don't think so because again, it's not b- because I have to take in what happened afterwards. So it, when when something happens, uh, you know, like uh, it, you know, when something happens and it ends. Let's put it this way: Lolo Jones falling on the ninth hurdle. And finishes fourth place in the, what was it, the 110 hurdles? What, you know, the hurdles in the, sure. right. Like that, that's finality. You lose the gold medal, right. it's over. Laura Bassett still had another game to play. So while I watched that and it was heartbreaking, I don't think it's in my top five. And I know people started going Bill Buckner, Chris Weber. I'd have to think about it, but it is no longer, had England been done, I think it's really registers high. But since they played again, it's not as high for me. Okay,
0: so Scott Norwood.
1: Well, that's a rough one.
0: Mrs. Right. Wide right.
1: right. Although got very supportive. So
0: technically, they came in second place, the Bills did that season. Right. Do you think that gives them any solace?
1: I don't think it gives them solace because the um, because – They're still
0: AFC champions. The
1: NFL is a different – sort of animal than the World Cup, unfortunately, and that, like, we are cultured in this country probably nonsensically to believe that if you don't win the ultimate championship, you know, your accomplishments are mitigated. Yeah, the fact is the Bills going to four screw Super Bowls in a row, as both of us know, from having Buffalo ties is incredible. But they, yeah, they get tagged as being, uh, the franchise being losers because they lost the big game. So, no, I don't, but here's another thing, too, with Norwood, if you really want to sort of look into it, and I can't believe we're talking about things that happened, like, you know, so long ago, that's on, the, uh, that's on the coaching staff for not getting Norwood a little bit closer. Closer to the midfield. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, that was a 47-yarder, right? Yes. It's a 42-yarder he's making that, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, He probably was making the 42-yarder. No, people remember it as some kind of chip shot, which right. it absolutely was not. Correct. But meanwhile, he will live in infamy forever. I, who was the,
1: think... the receiver on the Giants who, like, seemingly, like, broke tackles left and right? Mark Ingram or somebody, like, just because it <laughs> seemingly just broke tackles left and right to get first downs? <laughs>
0: Um, I also think that the Music City Miracle is terrible, but that really falls on the whole team and it wasn't one player. That oh, kind even for of the
1: Oilers? That,
0: no, for the Bills. Oh, for the Bills. Oh, yeah, oh, the Frank It was Whitechack like play. the whole team kind right. of took it on the chin. Music City or um, Miracle of the Meadowlands. Right. What about What about the
1: Oilers though? The Frank Reich game. That's a rough one.
0: But that's one. That's like that happened over a half. It right. wasn't like one moment that was just horrific. That. You just cannot get out of it. Yeah.
1: So then, as we finish this up, this you, you, soccer does present like a lot of possibilities for like really bad moments because if you make a mistake, you get a red card and you're out of the game. It really like yeah. can just cost you everything. So the one thing that I, I hope is that I hope Laura Bassett, if nothing else, leaves that tournament like feeling good because they did finish in third. People really did rally around her, and her last moment on the field, at least in 2015, is a positive one. It's not a negative one.
0: I don't think a lot of people watch that third place game.
1: Uh, I believe, uh, I think, I want to say like 2.1 million people in this country did. So it's more than you think. All
0: right, maybe so. All right, we're going to finish it off with our stupid question of the week. It's a question that has nothing to do with sports, just Richard and I and our thoughts and our take on something. So today, Richard, in honor of summer really underway, we're going to talk about summer camp.
1: We are. All right. And what would you like to know about summer camp, Maggie?
0: Describe what summer camp was like for Richard Q. Deitch.
1: (laughs) Q. Uh, So I went to – when I was a kid, I went to um, maybe like five or six years of summer camp, mostly day camp. But there were a couple of like week-long sleepaway excursions in that. And I really liked summer camp. Summer camp was fun.
0: I can't even imagine Some, you as a
1: child. I don't, uh, thank you. It's
0: like really hard for me to think Appreciate of that. you any summer younger camp, or older than you. Summer are.
1: Summer camp was fun because there was a lot of sports there. Uh, I remember Were you if,
0: the editor in chief of the summer the camp of, No, no I wasn't
1: the editor of anything. But if I remember right, it was like I was like eleven or twelve. So you're like really like you know. Hoping to play like spin the bottle and yeah. stuff like that, so that's why summer camp was fun. If I remember, Richard. Beth Marston yeah. is uh, throwing up in our uh, our producer. No, it's a, just it's hard st- to. C- so what I'm pointing it's out hard is hard to
0: a- picture you as a youngster.
1: Thanks. He, this is the this, again. This is before it's like
0: I picture a bunch of little kids sitting around to spin the bottle and then right.
1: die. Yeah, <laughs> as he currently is. <laughs> as I currently is. is. The uh,
0: like that can't be. I
1: can't right. So the, the you know this is before the age of Tinder and everything else. little sliding. You know this is like uh, just wholesome sliding your like the the, the computer screen swipe and say i'm so out of the loop Yikes. right so Nowadays. yeah thanks so the <laughs> several
0: po- bad images right
1: so the point is what i'm saying is summer yeah. camp was fun because you had like sports you had like some just like cool like uh hiking and like you know traveling and stuff like that and then obviously because it's sort of the beginning of like uh hanging out with the opposite sex that was uh that was fun too, because you know when you're 12, yeah. everything is it's all even. It's There's all no, an opportunity. No, no one's got ca- no one's got more cash than you. No oh, one's, uh, no, one's flo- no one's our status. No one's not about status. No one's floating degrees or driving around in a Camaro or a Corvette. It's all about was, it's all about how it's all about how your game is when it comes to your personnel.
0: And this is how we know that Richard died. <laughs> peaked when he was. 12. I peaked when I was 12. So
1: yeah, exactly. All right, your, so Maggie, instead of mocking was, me, yeah. let's hear about. Let me guess. You you went to. Uh, uh, sportscaster School, I'm thinking, did. right? <laughs> I Sponsored went to, by Ford. I went to Dick
0: Vitale Sportscaster Camp. Oh, no, I, I did think not. I did camp not. than that. I went to summer camp. So I started going to summer camp for two months, sleepaway camp, wow. when I was eight.
1: Yeah, your parents must have loved you.
0: <laughs> well, the real reason was is because they owned a restaurant catering business. So wedding season was always their most busy, and that happened to be in the summer, yeah, obviously. So they wanted so the
1: kids out of there. It
0: was more like we just needed to go away because it was too much to coordinate us and many 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 hundreds of weddings. So, I went to somewhere sleepboy camp uh really young and sleepboy camp taught me how mean other girls can be.
1: Really? That's interesting. Summer
0: camp is and girls of that age, I would say from like 8 to 80. No, 8 to like 14. 14. It's 14. It's like I would, heathers it, or something? Like that? Well, nobody died, so not Heather's, and we weren't that. That wasn't it. Didn't go as that far, but well, it was. No, I don't
1: expect Christian Slater to <laughs> die in your summer camp.
0: Um, tricks played. It was <laughs> summer camp was really difficult, yet right. taught a lot of great life right. lessons. So
1: there were cliques in your summer camp. There were cliques like by, the, the so popular, popular, popular girls. Popular
0: girls. They had right. the better jocks. clothes. They had like the cuter outfits. Right. They, even though no one had the cash. They, some of them had credit cards at the time. I don't know what you do with a credit card at camp, anyway. But there was much. There was a lot of status going on. Why
1: didn't you like sort of be like girl with the dragon tattoo kind of play, <laughs> yes, where you're, you're like you're in totally, you're totally Believe goth me, and black?
0: I was the at- badass.
1: Nobody, nobody messes with you. That'd be awesome.
0: Believe me, I was the outcast without having to try that hard. Right. Because when you're born, my height.
1: You were tall. Then I too? was 5'8
0: at summer camp when everyone else was like eleven. I was 5'8", 11 years old. They're all, like, 4'7". Wow. So not only was I, like, this Amazon woman right. just kind of, like, stalking around this uh, Pennsylvania summer camp. You're like Shaq. But it got to the point where the girls in my bunk once cut my hair in my sleeve. Ugh. Isn't that just terrible? That is
1: awful. Did you do? You couldn't do anything about it. Right? it was too Luckily, many ov-
0: it actually has not left as deep of a scar as I thought it was going to. So one day, I planned, plotted that I was going to run away from camp. So part of this was I'm from the boondocks originally. I'm from upstate New York right. with like the hill country people, and all these girls were from downstate. They were from New York and Long Island right, and right. Jersey and Connecticut. They were just much more advanced than I was, right. just very sophisticated, even though I was very tall and goofy. So I had this thought. That I was going to run away from camp. I planned it out. <laughs> I like packed up a little backpack, and I was like, "This is it." As soon as everyone goes to sleep, I'm you out of here, and I'm going to leave. So I'm going to. I'll end up like hitchhiking. I mean, what did I think was going to happen? Right. I got two feet outside mm-hmm. of my bunk, and it was so dark. It's so scary. <laughs> I turned right back around wow. and walked right back into
1: the bunk. All right. Well, who knew that this this there's so much uh, psychology based on so. Did, so did you did you ever become buddies with the girls who cut your hair? No, it? we right.
0: never became buddies. But I remember once walking across my college campus, and by then I'd kind of like grown into myself a little right, bit. Right. I was a little bit more, you know, with it. Right. I kind of travel I traveled the world a little you bit. Saw at that one point, of these girls, and I saw two of them. Nice walking across the quad, and I thought to myself, "Never again." Oof. never again. Would, I would
1: have bought a pair of scissors at the school store and gone to town. That would have been a way better <laughs> ending,
0: but I was I was still probably a little intimidated by All it. right.
1: All right. Well, listen, we learned a lot about Maggie Betty. Yeah. Would you like to give us any of your summer uh
0: summer camp in, summer in, camp, in, uh, in stuff? Florida uh, in Central Florida? No, I
3: actually NASCAR hey. <laughs> cart. NASCAR camp. NASCAR camp. Who are you? That's I'm not badass. that much of a hillbilly. Come on. No, I grew up in Tampa, Florida, and uh in Tampa, a lot of us go to camp up in North Carolina. There's several um, girls' camps and boys' camps up there, kind of uh, in the Blue Ridge Mountains. So for a month every summer for five or six years starting at age, uh, was I eight turning nine or nine turning ten? My birthday is at, it was always at the end of the session because it's at the end of July. So I would go for a month. Um, I would always go with a few girls from Tampa, but my mother always – I didn't learn this until after the fact, but she always rode into the camp and told them to put me in separate bunks mm. so I would make friends, and I was grateful for that. Um, and we just did the typical, like, you know, we'd wake up, have to clean our cabin, you know, go eat breakfast, we'd have our morning activities, our afternoon activities, and it was like arts and crafts and riflery and archery and tennis and um, horseback riding. I loved horseback riding and um, – Okay, yeah, so bottom no.
0: line for Bet and for Richard, summer yeah. camp was a fantastic. It was idyllic, great. I had uh, no experience, complaints. and for me, not so much. <laughs> and that's what we learned today on It's Sports Stupid. Uh, thanks so much to Chris Jericho, uh, to Bet Marson for coming and pinch hitting this week. We really appreciate it, and to all of you out there, we'll be back next week, and, and we're going to start get, getting a little more consistent on how we podcast around here, as Richard Shakes said. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.